like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Joining us today for Song of the Soul with some beautiful and moving music is Christopher Grundy. Christopher is a United Church of Christ minister and teaches at Eden Theological Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. And he's one of the founders of a group called the Progressive Christian Artists Network. Get ready for a diverse collection of songs filled with vivid images, including even one ghost story. Christopher Grundy joins us by phone from St. Louis. Christopher, I'm delighted to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thank you, Grace, and peace to you. And you know, Christopher, I think I'd be even more delighted if neither you nor I had a cold. (laughs) That would be nice. But you know, the show must go on, and so I'm not going to let that hold me back from having an encounter with really some wonderful music you produced over the years. And I'll even start out by announcing that I think you've got, in just another couple of weeks or something, a, a new CD that you're about to release. That's right. March 9th, I'll be releasing my sixth, I think, album. It's called Stepping In, and it's 21 songs, mostly shorter songs for groups singing in worship. What kind of worship are we talking about? Is this just UCC? I understand you're UCC pastor, or were, or are. Or... Tell me what's right. Sure. I am ordained in the United Church of Christ. I served in local churches for about eight years before um, I went back to school and now teach at Eden Theological Seminary. And yeah, the songs are, you know, there's lots of controversy about the words contemporary or informal or you know, what new forms of music should call themselves in worship. But these songs are, you know, folk to pop, alternative rock kind of style uh, in terms of the music. And they are, you know, things that are less geared to professionals who are going to sing for us and more geared toward stuff that we can all sing together. So you're not trying to do Roberta Flack's range that she could do or uh, <laughs> any of right. those people, right? The music tends to be simple, the range tends to be smaller, the rhythms tend to be a little more even, that sort of thing. Can you give me an example of what kind of music that would be, What kind of, a song that would be representative of this new coming CD? Sure. A good place to start would be the song More Light, which is just a simple refrain. More light, more truth is breaking from your word. It's sort of a sung prayer for illumination. Our brothers and sisters in the Presbyterian tradition have given us prayers for illumination, uh, prayers that are said before we read scripture, asking for the Spirit to help us as we encounter the text, sort of help us to hear what we need to hear at this particular time. The song is based on the words of Pastor John Robinson, who was the pastor of the Pilgrim community before they left for the New World. He sort of gave them a farewell speech 
And he was concerned that after they left him, they would get stuck in his teachings and just repeat the things that he had said back in Europe because he wasn't going with them to the New World, and that they would not be open to whatever God was saying to them next. And so he has this great speech sermon that he gives them, sort of saying, don't get stuck in what I told you. And then he has this wonderful line where he says, for God has yet more light and truth to break forth from God's glorious word. And the song is sort of summarizing that. I was fortunate enough to be asked with a group of composers to compose some music for a project that the United Church of Christ was working on. And uh, they gathered a bunch of us in Cleveland. I had the good fortune to spend time with people like Richard Brooksworth Colligan and Gregory Milton and Sonia Morales-Matos, all great composers in and around the United Church of Christ and the Lutheran Church. And, and we were all supposed to bring a bunch of songs with us that were new theological themes, new styles of music. When we got there, we sort of put them all up on a board and looked at the topics and the functions of those songs, and there were some gaps. There were some things that we didn't have, and so we sort of wrote out what those gaps were, and then Sid Fowler, who was one of the people in charge of the project, asked us to go back to our hotel rooms, and everybody was supposed to write two songs that night. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and come back in the morning, and uh, we sort of had assignments based on what the gaps were. One of the gaps was there was nothing for this sort of prayer for illumination. Also, because of the United Church of Christ's God is Still Speaking campaign, which also draws its inspiration from that speech by John Robinson, they said it'd be nice if there was a song that had something about that. So I went back to the hotel room there in Cleveland and spent the evening walking around playing the guitar and singing and came back in the morning with that song. That song is, uh, has a Creative Commons license on it now, so anybody can use it without worrying about charge and that sort of thing. And it's been used by churches across the country and in the UK and in the Philippines and all over the place. It's been a lot of fun to sort of see that song spread. And the song is More Light by Christopher Grundy, here with us today for Song of the Soul. More light, more truth. Is breaking from your word More light More truth Holy Spirit Help us hear what needs to be Light for us from Christopher Grundy. And Christopher, that whole story, it started with this John Robinson, uh, Pilgrim, you said, right? He, he's mm -hmm. part of. Now, Pilgrims, I do not associate with progressives. <laughs> but are they somehow the root? Uh, they 
becomes UCC, I think maybe through the congregational, I forget how the migration goes. That's correct. The congregational tradition, which was the pilgrims, became one of four streams that eventually made up the United Church of Christ. And like any church, the Congregationalists had plenty of times when they got it wrong, and they got to the New World and had this religious freedom and used it to try and control each other, you know, some of the worst things that we hear about the Puritan community. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Now, I want to tell you what my take on the worst thing they did. They killed killed four Quakers. It wasn't nice at all. That wasn't nice at all. Not at all. It could ruin your whole day. (laughs) I guess in that original setting, I don't know that people normally thought of Quakers exactly as liberals, but with their pro-peace, pro-equality, pro-justice, all that stuff dating back 350 years, they probably looked significantly liberal from the point of view of the Puritans of the time. Right. And it's easy to sort of cast the Puritan and the Congregationalists as the opposite of that. But I think it's helpful to keep in mind that there was this kind of the stream within that tradition of trying to be open to what is next, not getting stuck in what a previous generation had said. And the the UCC has tried to carry that forward. And even this quotation that made up the song, More Light, it could very easily have been a Quaker quotation. This old, From a Quaker point of view, we say the Bible is valuable, the scripture is valuable, only when you receive it within the spirit that gave it forth which mm-hmm. is a whole revolutionary idea to someone who thinks, well, no, it's just literally, I know what it means. It says three of them, go ahead and do it. it it's a very yeah. different. So it, it sounds like, you know, parallel paths, even though there were some animosities. Absolutely. I mean, even if you go with the Presbyterians, John Calvin said, we only have, you know, any confirmation of the word when the spirit shining on the face of the page confirms it uh, with the testimony of the Spirit. It really sort of places the Holy Spirit in between the page and what we consider to be something that's trustworthy for our lives. Well, you teach at Eden Theological Seminary, so I suppose you have to have quotes like that memorized. I don't have to memorize them myself. I, <laughs> I don't think that was actually a verbatim quote. It, it's, it's pretty close. but <laughs> Okay, you, you didn't say quote-unquote, so I guess it wasn't right. official. Well, keep us going with your music. What's next? The next song that I would like to share is one that people send me a lot of mail about called Come to the Feast. And it was originally written for a young adult gathering of the National Council of Churches. The event was called Come to the Feast, and they wanted a theme song. And I sat down to try and write something that was would be in a style that would appeal to young adults and also had that sort of pushing back against the establishment kind of feel that uh, I was a young adult at the time. A lot of my peers, I think, felt the same way. And so you see in this song some reversals. song begins with a church that is very closed and is opened up by a person who's homeless. And you see a young woman who is suffering from a eating disorder, standing, maybe even presiding at the tables. And the song tries to get away from some of the funereal understanding of Holy Communion, uh, as if it's a memorial service for the dead Jesus, and uh, focus on this sort of extravagant welcome, a feast that is open to anybody who will come. Come to the Feast by Christopher Grundy. They've got bars on the stained glass to keep all the blessings inside. Locks and chains on the doors 
To guard those gold crosses they hide But there's a man in the doorway Who lives on the street He touches the chains And they fall at his feet And he says, come to the feast There's always room for one more And there's all you can eat You can take some to go Spread the feast She thought she was so big She'd go without eating for days All her bones got so frail And her heart was just wasting away She stands strong and whole at the table of grace Tears fill the cup as they fall from her face And she says, come to the feast There's always room for one more And there's all you can eat You can take some to go Gather all you can hold and then Spread the feast The candles are burning The table is spread A voice rings out clear Like one back from the dead Out across the battlefields Up from the slums Over borders and color lines The same message Spread the feast There's always room for one more And there's all you can eat You can take some to go Gather all you can hold And then go Go spread the feast Some really evocative images in Come to the Feast. Christopher Grundy's here today for Song of the Soul. Those images, Christopher, are really powerful. Just the idea of the homeless man walking up and the chains falling to his feet, you know, opening the door. It struck me as St. Francis confronting the church and the anorexic or bulimic or whatever it is, female. Is that something you actually know about? I mean, when you're a pastor, which you were for eight years, do you have to deal with that in, in your parishioners, that kind of personal trauma? Yeah, a lot of the images in the songs that I write are drawn from the world around me. So at the time I was writing that song, I was working as a youth pastor, certainly working with teenagers who were suffering from eating disorders and other kinds of issues they were struggling with. Our, we were in a downtown church in Lawrence, Kansas, and we had homeless people coming in all the time. So those were things that you know, worked their way into the song from the life of the church that we were living at the time. 
Well, so you gathered a lot of experience in those eight years that led up to your time now teaching at Eden Theological Seminary. Are you UCC uh, bred and raised and pedigreed? I am. I was baptized, confirmed, and ordained all in the same congregation. So I am, I am a cradle UCC person, which is something to be said, especially since the denomination has only existed since 1957. But it's been interesting the way that these songs, like Come to the Feast and More Light, have shaped me after they were written. I mean, More Light has really become an important song for me in my own spiritual life. And Come to the Feast, once you write a song like that, people associate you with it, and uh, you sort of have to live into that and the expectations that people have once you start singing a song like that. It's been good for me. It's, been, it's pushed me at times to cross boundaries and try and stay open and that sort of thing because the songs are out there with those particular messages. Of course, you're doing this in St. Louis there. It's, so it's, uh, you know, Missouri is not normally seen as the liber- <laughs> liberal cutting edge. Uh, what can we say here? Uh, you're pretty much with Midwest uh, born and raised. You're Illinois, Minnesota. You went to school at Carleton mm-hmm. College. You're down mm-hmm. in Iowa. You're in Kansas. But UCC has this progressive edge. Is Eden Theological Seminary progressive cutting edge as well, and even in the Midwest context? You know, I'm sure that people from the coast might see our definition of progressive as being rather tame compared to some others, but I think we have a particular role to play in the Midwest. I think part of our self-understanding as a faculty is sort of trying to be a sort of support of the progressive Christian movement as it's emerging in the Midwest. And I think, that really looks, I think that really looks different from the way the progressive Christian movement looks in other parts of the country. Well, mentioning progressive Christian music or network or whatever, maybe we should mention the Progressive Christian Artists Network, which you're one of the founders of. Yeah, four musicians, myself included, Brian Sergio, Richard Brooksworth Colligan, Andrew Moran, and I started a conversation a couple of years ago about how difficult it was to be a more progressive Christian musician, to try to actually serve the church and not just make money um, in bars and coffee houses, and to try and not only distribute music, but to find music. And we put together an event uh, that we just called Shift Musical Gathering for the Progressive Christian Movement in Wisconsin last year, and invited anybody who considered themselves a progressive Christian musician or someone who wanted to support them to come and just begin a conversation. And what we found was that there are a lot of progressive Christian musicians out there, either in progressive churches or, you know, working in a church that's a job um, that's not as progressive as they would like, who are really isolated, uh, who feel like it's really hard to get resources for their church because the Christian music industry does not support their theology feeling like it's hard to find a support network or find other people in their town that share their theological perspective. So we just got them together, and uh, we were amazed. Uh, you know, We probably could have read the phone book, and people would have been delighted with the event because they were so happy to be together. They were so happy to have found each other. So we started a Facebook group following that event, and we called the Progressive Christian Artist Network Facebook group, and uh, anybody can join. I'll have a link to it on my site. That sounds great. 
And uh, we're continuing to do events. We've started to do some regional events in different parts of the country. There's another big main shift event coming up in Wisconsin at the end of July. Isn't it amazing that Wisconsin's the center of the universe? I I don't think I would have predicted it, but, you know, last year, last spring, with the massive movement that arose here, I think people have a different perspective on the middle of the country than they used to. I think that was a nice wake-up call for people who sort of viewed Wisconsin in a monolithic way. I wanted to read something that's from the webpage for the Progressive Christian Artist Network, and that that is, uh, the website is progressivechristianartists.org. You have this in the About Us tab. It says, there's no single definition of what a progressive Christian is. Our network includes artists and their supporters with a variety of theological, cultural, and political perspectives. Labels like liberal, left, or evangelical need no apologies here, but neither are they sufficient. That being said, there's a certain family resemblance within the network. If you or your church are committed to tolerance, inclusion, social justice, and critical reflection upon scripture and tradition in your walk of discipleship, you'll find community here. If you find yourself leaning forward toward emerging expressions of Christian worship and ways of understanding the divine, then you'll be glad you came. That's quite a mouthful, and uh, it's not the simple, you know, most of our broadcast media these days, they want to give you a soundbite, and that's a little bit beyond a soundbite, but it's, it's a very deep feast to read that whole thing. Can you blackball someone, say, no, they're not a progressive Christian? You know, we try to define ourselves more by what we include than what we exclude. So I think, you know, you have to behave pretty badly to be somehow excluded from that group. And, you know, anytime you put yourself out there taking any perspective, including a more progressive Christian perspective, you're going to attract people occasionally who are looking for someone that they can pour out some strong feelings on. That happens every once in a while, but we've had pretty good luck so far. Well, it looks like something I, I want to check out some more. I'm sure there's a lot of good folks in the network. The Progressive Christian Artists Network, again, is where you want to look. Follow the link from northernspiritradio.org. And I think it's time for you, Christopher, to give us some more music. The next song is called Here in Providence. This was sort of a spiritual coming-of-age song for me. It had a lot to do with sort of growing up and getting a more complex view of how the divine functions in the universe. Uh, It took me more than a year to write this song, coming back to to it over and over again. I had been doing some reading about the doctrine of providence, and the theories on providence seemed to be divided into two main camps. One camp sort of focuses on the macro, the big picture, sort of God is working out God's purpose in history. And the little stuff, day-to-day, if it doesn't go your way or doesn't seem like God's taking care of you, you can sort of let that slide because God is working out this bigger picture. And the other camp tends to focus on the micro, tends to focus a lot on testimony of what God has done for me this week, and uh, tends to overlook the ways in which maybe we're not getting there. (laughs) We're not getting the perfect world as much as 
we thought we were. Generation after generation has sort of said, we're almost there, or this is the beginning of the, the golden age, and all you have to do is look back at the 20th century and see how soaked in blood it is to have a sense that we might not be about to arrive. So this song was sort of trying to wrestle with a sense of God's care, a sense of providence that I felt like I could be honest about. I went and sort of gathered, again, stories and images from the life around me. There are stories about people who almost make it, but don't quite make it, to be at the bedside of a loved one who's dying. Stories about people who are alcoholics. There's a bunch of stories that get woven together here as I'm trying to find some kind of way of talking about Providence that felt honest. I did some research, actually, on uh, Providence, Rhode Island, because I thought, what better way to talk about it than to talk about people who lived in that city. And I learned that Rhode Island was a refuge for people who were being kicked out of other colonies by people like the Puritans, as we, as we talked about earlier. So it, it became a refuge for religious dissent. That resonated for me as I tried to figure out what does it mean for God to care for us or for God to care for the world and that sort of thing. I don't know if the result is satisfying for everyone, but by the time I got to the end, I felt like I had gotten to something that I could live with. Here in Providence, Christopher Brendy. Mary called the last plane out to see her dad. She said the angels must have smiled Cause when she got the call saying come home quick Come home now She had the right amount of frequent flyer miles She got into Rhode Island after midnight Called a taxi Hit all the stoplights Never had to wait And when he died She was right nearby In the elevator A hundred yards away Here in Providence Where birds fly into window panes In Providence and all the neo-Nazis' lawns get rain As fall grows in off Narragansett Bay With each new day Theo's lived down in the projects all Some great plan The cops get rough some nights And jobs are scarce But it's alright Not like his parents' days Of hiding from the clan He goes to church on Sunday Sings out loud And hopes that someday All our progress Finally pulls us through Then he goes home All alone To watch the millions Dying on the news 
Here in Providence Where birds fly into window panes In Providence And all the neo-Nazis' lawns get rain As fall grows in off Narragansett Bay And still we stay out on his family late one night with a bottle and a gun He stumbled down there by the shipyards in the dark cursing all the dreams that came undone He almost tripped over this woman Lying there Beat up so bad It made him wince But they got to a taxi And the hospital somehow Then he went back home And he's been there ever since Here in Providence Where sometimes comfort comes for pain In providence And flowers grow through concrete plains As fall grows in off Narragansett Bay And still we pray guest today for Song of the Soul is Christopher Grundy, and that was his song, Here in Providence. Well, keep us going on your music. Uh, We don't want to leave out too much of it. There's some real gems we need to get to. What's next? The Fisherman's Daughter is a story song. It's kind of a ghost story. The song started for me when I was sitting in a Greg Greenway concert. I don't know if you've ever heard of Greg Greenway, but he's a folk musician, uh, travels around, and I was sitting in one of his concerts, and As I was listening, I just got part of the refrain in my head really clearly. The rest of the song took quite a while to emerge, sort of gradually developed into this story surrounding the refrain. And it was actually a while before I recognized the fact that I was telling the story of the 21st chapter of John uh, in the process of telling the story. The song is about a young girl who drowns and comes back to visit her father seven years later. And as the story developed, I realized that it had many of the marks of the story of the breakfast on the beach and Jesus coming back to the disciples. And I was reminded, I don't know if you've read much of John Dominic Crossan and his work with the Jesus Seminar, but he says there are very few people in the world who would say that they have experienced something like the resurrection. But there are an awful lot of people who have had experiences where they feel like someone that they love, that they've lost, is near them. So I set out toward the end of of, of working on the song to try and connect that sense of resurrection with the sense of a loved one who has died somehow feels near. 
the result is a story that has been very formative for me. I, I played the song for the first time in the church I was working at at the time, and after the worship service was over, this guy comes up who was a member of the church, and he starts to try and thank me for the song, and he just starts crying, and I said, what, you know, what is it? And uh, he said, you know, I think you'll understand better if you ever become a parent. At the time, I was not. I didn't have kids. And since then, I've had kids, and I, I think I understand better. But since then also, I've gotten amazing mail from people who have lost their children, who have somehow stumbled upon this song. Great story from uh, a woman who said, you know, I lost my daughter a number of years ago, and I have a pastor who also lost a child. And uh, I was at church during the week, and my pastor said, come into my office, you you have to hear this song. And we just sat down and we listened, and we listened to it over and over and just cried. And it really provided us with a new opportunity to connect with each other. And, and uh, just stories like that that amaze me at the way the songs sort of go out there and take on a life of their own and keep me coming back to look at what the song means and, and how it means for people. I also, shortly after I wrote the song, played it at a rural pastor's gathering, which was mostly men and, and a few women. By the time the song was over, all of the women in the group were crying. And afterwards, they came up sort of as a group and thanked me for what was uh, a female image of the Christ, which for them as female clergy was something that they just really didn't ever see. Stars growing dim by the lakeside Huddled up close to the fire The fish weren't biting as much as the cold was And all of us bitter and tired Then out from the mist and the shadows So pale with the moon on her skin Up from the water lovely daughter She looked us all over and grinned She said you're scaring the fish with those long sullen faces Lighten up or you won't stand a chance I have been to the ball and I've seen my sweet Jesus and all that he wants you to do is dance She said, dance with the lonely, dance with the lost, dance with the ones whom to dance with will cost you. And when you're worn out from the weight of that cross, just dance, gently and slowly. The boys, they were reaching for whiskey The tears, they were burning my eyes Seven hard years since we'd stood on that shoreline Cursing the waves and the skies She said, Dad, are you sure you still love me? I said, Darling, you know that I do Not a day ever goes by That I don't see your eyes There in the water's deep blue 
She said, then dance with the hungry, the naked and blind, with the ones who are chained in their body or mind. Go and dance even when you know they're bound to fall, and when you know that they have no legs at all. She said, dance with. Lonely, dance with the lost. Dance with the ones whom to dance with will cost you. And when you're worn out from the weight of that cross, just dance gently and slowly. Dance. Then she picked up my sandwich. Tore it in half, started passing it round, and I laughed and I laughed, 'cause my eyes they were opened and my feet they were light, and I could have danced all night. She said, "Dance with the lonely, dance with the lost." Dance with the ones whom to dance with will cost you. When you're worn out from the weight of that cross, just dance gently and slowly. Dance in somebody's arms, maybe. Dance, dance if you love me. Fisherman's Daughter. That was by Christopher Grundy. Some really powerful images. The face coming up out of the water. I could imagine recoiling, but then the the message of joy that comes through that one is just so strong. And the transformation that happens to the father. Yeah, it's a real gift. That refrain was something that was connected to、uh, my own weariness in ministry at times, feeling like trying to do good work was wearing me out, but also trying to support other people in their walk of discipleship when things didn't always go well and people didn't always applaud for what they were doing. Trying to get back in touch with that sense of joy、um, was, I think, part of where that came from. Well, it's an excellent song, and one I've got playing regularly for myself now. So, if you give me another song, I'll probably have another one that I have to listen to. <laughs> What's up next? The next one that I think both has been important in terms of listeners, but important for me, is called "Clean White Paper." Back in the '90s, there were a whole bunch of news stories about the exploitation of workers in other countries and fires that started in factories where people were burned to death because the doors were chained shut and things like that. And a whole bunch of these stories came out at one time, and I was sort of weary of the sort of consumer guilt that came along with that, and and had a sense that I I didn't really want to know. I thought if if I have those feelings myself. 
I'm sure that there are people, other people who are trying to manage in their walk of discipleship who feel the same way. And so the, the song attempts to articulate, to lay out some of those feelings, but also to try and find some kind of response to the reality that our economic relationships are also moral and spiritual relationships. The song lays out a number of different issues related to the morality and spirituality of our economic relationships. And then there's this moment in the song where you hear the voice of God. It's my wife's favorite moment in that entire CD because the voice of God is a woman. That voice doesn't say everything's going to be fine. That voice just says you can bear to open up your eyes and see this deeper reality. I remember playing this song for the first time. I was living in a rural area, pretty conservative. Um, I had just written the song. I didn't, hadn't really been in that region long enough to realize how out of sync I might be with my surroundings. <laughs> and I was invited to play for a talent show fundraiser held in a church. This was a new song. I'd spent a lot of time on it. So I got up and I, I played this song that really was about justice issues uh, as issues of faith, making connections between ourselves and people who work on plantations in other countries and things like that, and the, the rainforest being cut down for our benefit. I finished the song, and you could have heard a pin drop in the room. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that's I, really heartening, isn't it? <laughs> I had chosen the wrong crowd for this particular song. Oh, I thought uh, they were just stunned by the wonderfulness of the song. <laughs> Maybe uh, I, 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 I wish that were the case. There were a lot of puzzled looks out there, and the pastor who was in charge of the event quickly stood up and said, well, thank you for that, and next we're going to hear a wonderful song that we all love, This World Is Not My Home. The irony of that, shifting quickly back to a, a theology that looks toward the afterlife rather than considering how God might be working in this life, uh, was not lost on me. I'm happy to say that I found other audiences as time went on, and many of those people really resonated with this song. Clean White Paper, Christopher Grundy. I don't want to see the dirty little children Working 13 hours a day To make this cool white cotton shirt I'm wearing In Bangladesh or somewhere far away I don't want to hear about no corporations Stalking for the lowest wage In ragged countries where the babies all are starving Just so I won't have as much to pay I don't want to hear it I don't want to see it I don't want to think Cause I don't want to know just how far we'll go Just give me clean white paper When you hand me my receipt Give me a sparkling smile And a thank you, here's your change Give me the smooth, glossy photographs To cover the deceit Give me something strong enough To kill the pain I don't want to know about 
the campesinos who can't have children anymore. Cause it took some careless chemical exposure to get my produce to the store. I don't want to know which jungles they are burning so that progress can get through. And I don't want to know which tyrants they're supporting so that I can wear these shoes. I just want to wear them and on Sunday morning I will wear them as I kneel down and pray Take this cup away Give me clean white paper When they hand me my receipt Give me a sparkling smile And a thank you, here's your change Give me the smooth, glossy photographs To cover the deceit Give me something strong enough to kill the pain Oh, my beloved, do not fear and do not cry There are wounds that can be healed And there are tears that can be dried And there's a love to keep you strong That's always waiting deep inside So go ahead and open up your eyes There's a spirit under me that's gonna raise me There's a spirit under me to help me rise There's a spirit under me so full of joy that I can bear to open up my eyes There's a spirit under me that's gonna raise me There's a spirit under me to help me rise There's a spirit under me so full of joy that I can bear to open up my eyes There's a spirit under me that's gonna raise me There's a spirit under me to help me rise There's a spirit underneath so full of joy that I can bear to open up my eyes. There's a spirit underneath that's gonna raise me. There's a spirit underneath to help me rise. Another gem from Christopher Grundy clean white paper. I'm thinking, Christopher, that there are venues for that one and there are venues where you don't use it. 
how have you learned to discern which venue is going to be the right one? Do you send out scouts to check out? <laughs> What's the teller thing? Or, or do you just decide, well, God wants me to lead this one no matter what the venue is? Certainly over time, as people have learned about my music and the messages that I tend to bring, I tend to get invitations from communities that are going to be more receptive. So I've actually had to do less evaluation of context as time goes on. Uh, but there are still times when people come up and want to disagree. And, and I think that's not, that's not all bad, actually. Um, I have a song called Church of the Shelved, actually, that uh, sort of critiques the idea that you can find salvation in, in one moment. And I've had people come up to me afterwards and, you know, are, are you saying that if I'm from that tradition that I'm not saved or that, or that I, you know, there is no salvation for me? And it's been good to get some pushback from people and sort of be asked to keep my mind open, even, even as I have particular messages that I choose to share in my music. Well, the clock has wound down. I think we can maybe squeeze in one more. Would you like to end your Song of the Soul with anything special? I think As the Moon is a good place to end. This is one of the most recent songs that I've written. It's on a new CD, and it started out in a sort of intellectual way. Um, I sort of thinking about how difficult it is for process theology to find its way into worship. Process theology, this sort of sense that God is not a being so much as God is a process that is part of the universe, um, is something that has come largely out of intellectual and academic circles. It has its usefulness, but it's hard to make it work in worship. And I set out to think about, okay, how can this sense of God as process, how the sense of God as a lure that is always trying to draw us uh, into closer relationship and into our best selves, how could that be a part of a worship song? As I went along, though, in trying to write this song, and again, this was, you know, it seems like the songs that I chose for this program that have been really meaningful to me over the long term tend to be songs that have taken me longer to write. I'm not sure why that is. But in the process of working on this song, the sense of intimacy that this song tries to get at and the sense of being sort of gathered up into something larger than oneself became an important part of my spiritual life, and I found myself coming back to work on the song in part because I wanted to get back to that sense, that it became a spiritual practice for me of mindfulness about how close God is as I worked on it. I was also trying to get away from anthropomorphic imagery for God, trying to get away from this sort of sense of God is just a, a person, but a slightly different kind of person. And so I really gravitated toward natural images. As the moon Pulls the ocean, so my soul is drawn to you. Pull me closer as you circle. I will fall and rise with you, and rise with you. Into your dancing 
Finishes up our Song of the Soul with Christopher Grundy, his song As the Moon. And Christopher, I, I'm not sure you are aware of it, but you just did one of the best, probably unexpected puns of the day when you said you gravitated toward. <laughs> <laughs> I did not recognize that, but uh, thank you for pointing it out. <laughs> well, it's such a beautiful song. I love that one. And many of the songs that you've done already just. I'll be carrying him forward with me. Thanks so much for joining us for Song of the Soul, Christopher. I hope to hear more of you soon. Well, thank you very much. I had a great time going back and listening to a bunch of previous interviews that you have done in preparation for this one. And believe me, I'm incredibly honored to be included among the ranks that you have on your website. Thanks again, Christopher. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy. Sing out a song of the soul